with one of the leaders here, and we're going to be carrying on in our series in Philemon, a little letter in the New Testament, page 1,200. So there should be a green Bible kicking around near you. Please grab that and have a look with me. And because it's such a short book, we're doing three verses. So often we, and we say we've been going through Mark's gospel and things will do big chunks, but um, this letter allows us just to slow down a little bit and really get into a few verses. So let's enjoy that together. Philemon 12 to 14, page 1,200. Let me give you a little bit of context. Um, Paul is a, an apostle, someone appointed by Christ to teach and lead God's church, and he's writing to his friend Philemon. And we've been hearing about how Philemon, this Christian homeowner, a a wonderful man who really loves God and loves God's people, he had a slave, think Downton Abbey, kind of servants in his house kind of thing. He had a slave called Onesimus who ran away. And so their relationship, quite understandably, is is broken. Um, Onesimus has offended Philemon by running away. And Paul is now really addressing that. He's getting to this heart of the letter where he's trying to reconcile Onesimus and Philemon. So Paul is now going to talk about what he's going to do with Onesimus. So verse 12. I'm sending him, that is Onesimus, who is my very heart, back to you, Philemon. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. ABC News in the U.S. wanted an experiment to see if artists and art historians could tell the difference between paintings done which are worth millions and paintings done by five-year-olds. Okay, this, this is fascinating. So they, they, they showed all, all these these paintings to these artists, and one called Victor Chevedo described one of the children's pieces like this, that it's a competent execution of abstract expressionism, which was first made famous by de Kooning and Jackson Pollock and others. So it's emulating that style and it's a school of art. And then they said it's done by a five-year-old who's like, give the guy a contract. Anyway, I I find it really fascinating how we determine the value of something. As these artists were looking, they kind of saw this value in the art. And of course, one of the main ways in which you express how much you think, how valuable you think a piece of art is, is how much are you willing to pay for it? The price of the art. So Picasso's La Femme d'Alguerre sold for £116 million a couple of years ago. How do you express just how valuable you think a piece of art is? Spend a small country's GDP on a piece of art. That's what you do. The value of something is seen in how much you're willing to pay for it. So my question for us as a church is, how valuable is gospel love to us. We've been thinking about gospel love in the book of Philemon. This is, gospel love is love that God shows to us where he loves the unlovable. God loves us in Christ, even though we're so awful and offensive to him. That's gospel love. And so we express that same love in the church, and this is what Philemon's been doing, where we love those we find hard to love, just like God loves us. Where, where that love is stretched to even love those we find unlovable because that's how God loves us. That's gospel love. Now, as we've been thinking about this gospel love, loving the unlovable, I wonder how 
valuable is that love to you? Do you think it's worth us as a church getting really serious about pursuing? Well, I guess we find out how valuable we think it is by saying, well, as a church, how much are we willing to pay for it? I'd be surprised if there was anyone here in this room who didn't hear about the idea of relationships with forgiveness, reconciliation, putting the past behind us, and not think, you know what, that's something I really want. I reckon we all want that. Because we all have relationships that are stretched and fractured. Wouldn't it be amazing to heal those relationships? But you know, when we look at the effort involved, you know, even just taking those initial steps towards someone you've fallen out with is just so hard. Then there's the process of confronting the issue, admitting what you've done. Maybe they won't admit what they've done. Maybe they're going to misrepresent you in the process. Maybe you'll spend hours and you won't get anywhere. And it all just looks so hard, so pricey, that we're put off this kind of reconciling gospel love, even if we really want it. The value of something is seen in how much we're willing to pay for it. So how much are we willing to pay to see real gospel love as a church family? Now in these verses today, we're going to see how much Paul is willing to pay for gospel love to flourish. Now remember, we just talked about the situation. You've got Philemon, you've got Paul and Onesimus. And Onesimus has run away from Philemon. So it's hard for Philemon to love Onesimus with this gospel love. That would really be stretching his gospel love. And so the question is, can Philemon extend his gospel love even to Onesimus? We saw last week how Paul is appealing to Philemon's gospel love in his heart, to love the unlovable. Now we get to verse 12, and Paul is announcing his plan. He says in verse 12, I am sending him back to you. So Onesimus is with Paul, and Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon so that they can restore their broken relationship. But Paul makes a thing of just how valuable this reconciliation is to him. And we talk about practicing what you preach. Paul doesn't just say, look, Philemon, you need to really value gospel love. He shows him how much he values gospel love too, and how much he's willing to pay for it to happen. The value of something is seen in how much you're willing to pay for it. So here's the thing we're going to see. The value of gospel love is seen in how much we're willing to pay for it. So let's see, what is Paul willing to pay? Verse 12. I'm sending him who is my very heart back to you. What a way to talk about Onesimus. My very heart. I wonder if there's someone in your life who if you were to lose them or they were to move away, you'd feel it almost physically. I remember at my previous church, we had a family who left to do mission work in Indonesia. And I just loved them so much. I was wrecked the day they went. I was just like crying and crying. And the guy who was leaving was like, I'm sorry, I can't cry. All my tears have gone. I'm literally empty. You know, I, I felt this pain over them leaving. And that's what Paul expresses. It's in his guts. The word he uses is splagna. It's a brilliant Greek word. It's like so, there's so much feeling in it. But remember who Paul is talking about. 
Onesimus, the runaway slave. Think socially, they're miles apart. We've got Paul, who's from an educated religious elite. Onesimus, a slave, and a rubbish slave at that, who ran away. They're at other ends of the social spectrum. And yet this bond has grown between them so much that Paul can say, I'm sending him. I'm sending him back to you. He's my very heart. And that kind of sigh from Paul continues in verse 13. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place, Philemon, in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. What did Paul want to do? Well, if he could, he would have, he would have kept Onesimus with him. Onesimus has become like a, a friend, like Philemon to Paul. He saw Onesimus as taking Philemon's place. Paul is under house arrest, probably in Rome. He describes himself as being in chains for the gospel. So this means he's, he's probably chained to a guard the whole time in his house. If you were housebound, not only that, but chained to a hostile guard, and you had one person who was your ally, your comfort, someone to get you food and clothes to help you, can you imagine how precious that person would become to you? I often look at um, guide dogs that people have, and I think, you know what, that relationship must be so precious when, when you rely so much on this, even a dog, to live so much of your life then imagine what it must have been like for Paul as he wrote this letter, lifted his hand, as it were, pen to paper, looked over at Onesimus in the corner and said, and wrote, Philemon, I'm sending him back to you. He's my very heart. It would have been fair enough for Paul to keep Onesimus, wouldn't it? He's in chains. Look, Philemon, I'm in prison. House arrest, can I keep him? And actually, I, I think... Why pay such a great price then? Why, if he, if he so loves Philemon, why pay this price? Well, here we see the heart of Paul. Paul valued the gospel, valued gospel love, that needed restoring between Philemon and Esmas. He valued that so much more than his own comfort and needs. He valued gospel love, that reconciliation, way more than his own needs. So verse 14, he talks about his heart. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, Philemon, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Paul could have managed the situation for Philemon without his consent. You know, he could have written, look, Onesimus is with me. I really need um, him, so I'm going to keep him. And in fact, if you think about it, that would have been a win-win situation, wouldn't it? Paul would get to keep his best friend Onesimus and who can help him. Philemon wouldn't have to deal with Onesimus who he's fallen out with and they can all just get on happily with their lives. Crisis averted. That would be simpler, wouldn't it? I'll keep Onesimus. You get on with your life and you can make it up in heaven. Don't, don't get messy now. But Paul doesn't opt for easy. He opts for gospel love. By sending Onesimus back, he gives Philemon the opportunity to receive Onesimus in love. That's what this favor is, receiving Onesimus back. And he gives um, Philemon the opportunity to freely, voluntarily choose to love Onesimus. Do you see how Paul really wants this reconciliation to happen, to be real? You know how sometimes um, politicians 
stage kind of photos. They're, they're, you know, it's Trump or whoever, and they're, they're shaking hands, and it's all smiles, very nice. And you know they hate each other. Like, they're just poles apart, but they, they stage this friendship. Paul doesn't want to manufacture and stage some kind of reconciliation between these guys. You can't do that. You can't fake something that comes from the heart. And so Paul knows that Onesimus and Philemon must see each other face to face. Sit down, talk, weep, pray, forgive, live life together in reconciliation. And that's got to be voluntary, which means Onesimus has got to go home. To keep Onesimus would be to control the situation, keep it neat, but snatch away Philemon's opportunity to actually express gospel love. And so it's more valuable to Paul to create this situation of reconciliation than to meet his own needs. The value of gospel love is seen in how much you're willing to pay for it. How much did Paul value the gospel love between Philemon and Onesimus? Enough to pay the price of giving away his very heart, his closest friend. So how valuable is gospel love to us? Let's have a think about how much we're willing to pay for it. There's this parody video on YouTube of church small groups. It's, it's funny. It's called Shallow Small Groups. Um, where in these small groups, little groups in their church, they don't do life together. Shallow small group, they try not to do much at all. And we'll never ask you to unpack that thought. I'm sure it's packed away for a very good reason. And their, their tagline for their shallow small groups is, when things get too deep, people drown. Okay, so don't get deep in relationships. <laughs> It could be tempting to manage church life and relationships in a way that avoids depth because depth in relationships is where it gets complicated and messy. And when things get too deep, people drown. Gospel love, which lives through highs and lows together, which faces up to conflict, is pricey to us like it was for Paul. But if you embrace shallow church, then you can avoid all that pricey mess that Paul has got himself into. I think it's easy to see church as an hour and a half of spiritual tank filler where you come, fill up, head home. Now, church should refresh us, but it's also about each other. I went to a planetarium show on holiday in France where we all kind of sat back in our chairs, we put on our 3D goggles, and we plugged in our earphones, listening to everything pumped in our own language. And we were like in our little goggle cocoons. And we can treat church as a place for me to come and watch the show and leave. It's simpler. It's definitely less messy that way. There's going to be no falling out. You don't have to spend time with different people to you or who you find difficult to get along with. Sure, it'll be shallow, but it's going to avoid all this mess. I mean, Onesimus, Philemon, just don't worry about it. Do shallow church. Paul could have managed the situation to maximize his comfort and to maximize relational simplicity. We could offer small groups at the Globe Church where we put you all in groups where you're going to find people really easy to like. You know, if you fall out with someone, we can make sure that you can just sit on the other side of the room together on a Sunday and never have to serve together on a rotor. You know, if you don't like someone in church, don't worry about it. We'll find someone else for you to like. We could. But then we'll be robbing ourselves of an opportunity to express real gospel love for each other. The kind of love which we were saved to enjoy. You don't have a single ticket to heaven. We've got a family ticket. We're in this together. 
And though it's tough, we can experience love that forgives, love that accepts, love that overcomes differences of character, social difference, racial divides. And then we begin to experience the love of God himself, who overcame the greatest divide of our sin to love us. So if we want to experience this kind of love as a church, then we're going to have to pay for it, just like Paul did. Because the value of gospel love is seen in how much we're willing to pay for it. Are you willing for it to cost us? One of the best steps you can take towards this, a practical step, is to invest in Globe Focus. That's how we do small groups here. Some of us can't make it on Wednesday nights for good reason, though um, we're going to be extending a little bit next term, so it might help. But if you can come to a small group, you can, this is a good place to begin to live this kind of love out. You know, it gives you a group of people who aren't just your mates, aren't just your natural friends. You study the Bible together, you pray together, and begin to live life together. And I'd really like to encourage us, especially as September comes, it's a new year, let's all of us use Globe Focus, if we can, as a place to live Philemon-style gospel love. Let's, make it, let's work hard at making it more than a, uh, just a Bible study, even when it's then pricey to us. Gospel love might mean spending less time with your natural friends in church, people who you just naturally get on with, so that you can actually love people who are just different to you. That's a price that you might be willing to pay. Okay, but what about when it's really hard? What about when there's hurt and pain between us? There have been in the life of this church, and there will be times when we are going to hurt each other. We bring sin to this church. But it's in moments like that, those difficult moments, that the true value of gospel love shows through. When gospel love is hard to do, we will value reconciliation so much that we'll be willing to talk and listen and weep and admit our wrong, sit down and offer reconciliation if we're really captured by this love. And I really love being part of this church because I think this kind of gospel love is happening amongst us. Some of us pay the price in different ways. For some of you, This church isn't a natural fit for you. This isn't the obvious place for you to come, maybe. You feel out of place. But you're committed because you want to love this church family and see the gospel go out in the South Bank. So this is your church family. That's a price you pay. There have been times when things have been said or done that have hurt each other. But it's been great to see attempts at reconciliation, to talk about that, to be loving to each other. Hey, we could keep it shallow. No one would drown but there's been real willing to pay the price. And I think God's saying to us, you're two years old now, Globe Church. Don't go shallow. Let's keep going, expressing this gospel love. Now, if it's true that the value of something is seen in how much you're willing to pay for it, and Paul shows how much he values gospel love by how much he's willing to pay for it, I wonder, what does that tell us about how much God values his love? Now, talking about God's love um, can feel a little bit fluffy. So maybe you're here and you're not a Christian and people have said to you, God loves you, and you're like, that sounds nice. What does it mean? My mom loves me. God loves me. Excellent. God values us experiencing his love so much that he was willing to pay the ultimate price for it. The value of God's love is seen in how much he was willing to pay for it. 
If God's love for us is just the equivalent of a kind of greetings card, hey, just to remind you that I love you, then take it or leave it. But in Jesus Christ, we see just how much God values loving us. Because the price he paid to give us that love, well, it was his very heart, his son. Paul sent his best friend away, but it was worth it for love's sake. God the Father sent his son to us to die on the cross, but he considered it worth it for love's sake. Why did Jesus die? How how does that express God's valuable love to us? Well, we've talked about how we live in these fractured relationships like Philemon and Onesimus, where we, where we betray each other, where we hurt each other and damage each other. We take advantage of each other. We lie, we cheat, we, we take what's not ours. And that destructive tendency, we aim it at God too. We've severed ourselves from his love for us. I was talking to a friend the other day about Christianity, and he said, well, maybe God looks after me when things are going really well, but you know what? The rest of the time, I'm just quite happy without him. And that kind of rings of Onesimus and Philemon. You know, Onesimus was well-treated by Philemon, but then he ran away. He didn't want anything to do with him. Cut off contact. And that sums up how we treat God. He gives us life. He gives us breath, love, and relationships, and we run away like Onesimus did. We cut off communication like he's the relative that we don't want anything to do with. But he's God. We can't just do that. So does God do what Paul could have done? Just manage it. Keep it shallow. Keep it simple. Keep us apart. No, he values love too much. So he paid the price. Dying in our place on the cross. You see, we deserve the anger of God on us for severing ourselves off from his love. But the Son of God, Jesus, on the cross took that for us. He gladly, lovingly, willingly went to the cross where he had nails driven through his hands and feet and a crown of thorns thrust into his skull and he bled and died. And there he suffered the anger of God instead of you and me. That's why Jesus died. The broken relationship between Onesimus and Philemon, do you see how it's like a little picture of our broken relationship with the God who made us? It needs fixing, but you bet it's going to be pricey. So how much does God value loving us? Look at the cross. That's the price he paid. It's almost like every drop of blood that fell from Jesus was like the bid in an auction going up, 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 and up. The most expensive piece of art in the world may be worth millions, but God's love for us is worth the death of his son. If I gave you a Picasso painting, you might not realize just how valuable it is. But if I showed you the price tag, that would transform how you viewed it. It'd be the most valuable thing in your possession. We may have heard about the love of God loads of times, but maybe we've never realized, or maybe we've just forgotten just how valuable it is. But now you've seen the price tag, the cross. Can you see how life-changing the cross is? God's love is the most valuable thing in your possession with the highest price tag in the universe. And that love is handed to us. How do you receive it? By simply asking, turning from that old way of life and trusting in Jesus who died for us. God values his love for us so much that he paid the price of his son. So when you begin to wonder, does God love me? 
is it really that strong a love? We, we, we sang earlier of a vast ocean of love. Really, you might feel, you might feel his love is very small. Look at how much he was willing to pay to love you. Look at the cross again. And let's pray, Globe Church, that this would shape us. God calls us today to value that gospel love, loving each other, the unlovable, so much that we're willing to pay the price for it. So let's pray for God's help, shall we? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for challenging us this afternoon and showing us your incredible love. Lord, we're amazed at Paul, at what he was willing to give up to bring this reconciliation, but that just pales compared to your love for us, to give your precious son to die in our place, to suffer the wrath of God for us, to to, to drop blood from his body, to have it broken, to die in our place. What a price. We can't even fathom. We can't even get our heads around the extent of that glorious love. But we pray now that you would help us to grasp the height and length and breadth and depth of the love of Christ. And I pray that this would change us. Lord, we do want to be a church that love each other. We don't just want to turn up and go home again and have no relationships. But Lord, that's going to be tough. We're sorry for the way we've already hurt each other as church family. We pray for healing. We pray for restoration and reconciliation that only comes as we gaze and enjoy your love for us. So please help us to pay the price just as you paid the ultimate price for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing now a song that is an opportunity for us to meditate and gaze at the love of God for us and sing of its depth and its wonder. And why not, as we sing it, pray, Lord, as I think of how deep your love is, would you then help me to have that same love for my church family? You might even look around and see each other and and pray for each other. Let's stand and sing. Mm -hmm.